Seltzer Kings Podcasts. Hey, are you into werewolves, mad sciences, and a little bit of witchcraft? Then stay tuned for an all-new episode of Watch Corner. We're riding this train straight into the sun. Woo! Tune in to a classic episode of Watts Corner on the Seltzer Kings Network. Available on all podcast platforms. The following podcast contains... Hey, so dirty. It's no wonder no one listens to your show, David. It's awful. It's awful. So much cursing and the Schwanz jokes. No one wants to hear that. Shaggy Green never needed to work blue. Neither do you. People will like you for you. Explicit Language Hello and welcome to the podcast that asks a simple question. When you insinuated that Hillary Clinton conspired with the Russians to lose the election, what the hell were you thinking? No, seriously, is John McCain okay? I'm your host, Dave Bledsoe, and this is a Friday, June 9th, 2017, St. Comey's Day edition of the show, where we discuss the Comey testimony in detail. Stay tuned. The What the Hell Were You Thinking podcast is brought to you by Don Vito's Intimidation Tactics Training. When you got to lean on some guy so he knows that you're fucking finding him not doing the right thing. That's where Don Vito's Intimidation Tactics Training comes in. We can teach you methods and means to get your message across so this goomba knows what the fuck you're talking about. Body language, specific verbiage, and the importance of fucking lumen. We will teach you these things. So when you have some fucking lackey over for pasta and veal, and you say you hope he will do this thing for you, he gets the fucking clue. Don Vito's intimidation training tactics. Get your message across, or else. This day is called the testimony of Comey. He that outlives this day and comes home safe will stand tiptoe when the day is named and rouse him at the name of Comey. He that shall live this day and see old age will yearly on the vigil feast his neighbors and say tomorrow is St. Comey. Then he will strip his phone and show his feet and say, These tweets I had on Comey's day. Old men forget, yet all shall be forgot. But he'll remember with advantages what tweets he did that day. Then shall our names familiar in his mouth as household words. Angus the king... Warner and Feinstein, Wyden and Hendrick, Hyde Harris and Mencken, be in their flowing cups fleshly or freshly remembered. But this story shall the good men teach his son, and James Comey shall ne'er go by from this day to the ending of the world. But we in it shall be remembered. We few, we happy few, we band of brothers. For he today that sheds his blood with me shall be my brother, be he never so vile. These this day shall gentle his condition, and gentlemen in America now abed shall think to themselves accursed. They were not here, and hold their manhoods cheap, while any speaks of those that fought with us upon St. Comey's day. There are days when I have to step back and contemplate how fucking weird the world is right now. On Thursday, I watched the recently fired director of the FBI testify under oath before the Senate he believed the the president of the United States is a liar. That's just fucking remarkable. It says a lot about the state of the nation 
And what it says is that the state of a nation is totally fucked. On Thursday, former FBI Director James Comey appeared before the Senate Intelligence Committee to testify about the ongoing investigations into Russia's attempts to corrupt the 2016 election. By the time the hearing started, I would be hard-pressed to tell you the difference between a major sporting event and what I was seeing on the fucking YouTubes. Bars were offering drink specials, drinking games were invented, and it was wall-to-wall coverage on all the news networks and whatever it is that Fox pretends to be. Some kind of parasite. It didn't help matters that Comey's written statement was released the day before, and it read somewhere between 50 shades of gray and all the president's men. Oh, God, now I, I have a really disturbing image of Henry Kissinger in BDSM gear. And now you have it, too. Let me cherry-pick some of the more amazing things that, co- that was in Comey's statement. Quote, I felt compelled to document my first conversation with the president-elect in a memo. To ensure accuracy, I began to type it on a laptop in an FBI vehicle outside Trump Tower the moment I walked out of the meeting. Creating written records immediately after a one-on-one conversation with Mr. Trump was my practice from that point forward. This had not been my practice in the past. I spoke alone with President Obama twice in person and never on the phone. Once in 2015 to discuss law enforcement policy issues and a second time briefly for him to say goodbye in late 2016. In neither of those circumstances did I memorialize the discussions. And then Comey went on to talk about their, his romantic dinner with Trump. Quote, My instincts told me that the one-on-one setting and the pretense that this was our first discussion about my position meant the dinner was at least in part an effort to have me ask for my job and create some sort of patronage relationship. A few moments later, the president said, I need loyalty. I expect loyalty. I didn't move, speak, or change my facial expression in any way in the awkward silence that followed. We simply looked at each other in silence. And then on Valentine's Day, they gave he, Trump gave his director just a little Valentine's with this. The president then returned to the topic of Mike Flynn, saying, he's a good guy, he's been through a lot. He repeated that Flynn hadn't done anything wrong on his calls with the Russians, but had misled the vice president. And then he said, I hope you can see your way clear to letting this go, to letting Flynn go. He's a good guy. I hope you can let this go, unquote. Let's pick apart a little of what was in the written statement. First, Comey felt compelled to document his interactions with Trump from the word go. And he carefully points out he never felt compelled to do so with Obama. And then his testimony, his his, his, uh, spoken testimony, he extended that to Bush 2.0. But there was something about Trump that just... Ugh, stop it. This gives me the willies. To the point of not even waiting to get home to start writing it, but to pop the laptop in the truck and start on the way. Think about that for a second and compare it to something in your own life where maybe you've had an interaction with someone so skeevy, someone that made you immediately go, shit, I gotta write this down right the second you walked in the door. That's how Comey felt about Trump the second he met him. And then later, you know, Trump has Comey come over for dinner, and during that dinner he asked the FBI director if he was loyal to Trump. Yes, always got father. When I worked at Corruption City Police Department, the chief once told me I needed to get my loyalties in order. And I told him I was pretty sure I did have them in order. The people I protected, the law I enforced, and then the department. 
Apparently, I was incorrect, and so was Director Comey. Also, let the image of these two guys just staring at each other over their blackened steaks cooling on the table. No facial expressions. No words. Like the Pope farted while you were kissing his ring. That's the sort of thing that was going on there. It's fucking surreal. And then finally, on Valentine's Day, Trump booted everyone out of the Oval Office and then asked Comey to drop the investigation into Flynn because Flynn was a good guy, only to find out that Comey was not willing to let this go. Apparently, he's not a big Disney fan. There was so much more in the written statement that just made my hair stand up, each written like there were scenes from a detective novel. I knew the guy was trouble with his orange skin and fake hair, but he was the president, and he would be hard to say no to. And then Thursday morning at 10 a.m., Comey entered the Senate chamber to a fanfare of horns and small children sprinkling flowers in his path. Okay, I'm being told that's not actually correct, but uh, he entered uh, stone-faced and serious to face the senator's questions. And honestly, while I was watching, I kept finding myself wanting to say that he, he'd just be so much prettier if he'd smile once in a while. Once he was given the floor by the chairman, his first act was to call the president a big fat liar. You take bribes. You're a fucking liar. You cheat people. That's not nice. Well, I mean, that's what he meant anyway. I mean, let's listen to exactly what Comey said. To defame me and more importantly, the FBI by saying that the organization was in disarray, that it was poorly led, that the workforce had lost confidence in its leader. Those were lies, plain and simple. Again, that's fucking amazing that an FBI director, current or former, would use the word liar openly without qualification about the sitting president. I mean, we all knew that Ken Starr and Janet Reno wanted to say that about that Bill Clinton was a liar. I mean, shit, everyone who watched him deny intern bopping knew that he was lying, but no one ever actually used the word. Comey just out and out called Trump a liar, which admittedly is like calling the ocean damp, but still norms. And that was in his opening statement. The testimony that followed never quite rose to I accuse Colonel Mustard of killing in the library with a candlestick. Still, it contained some pretty damning details. And most importantly, the context in which those details occurred. He directly said he wrote the memos because he was afraid Trump would lie about the content of their meetings after they occurred. Again, FBI director, this is so weird. He was so concerned about the president's blatant lies that he knew he had to document every interaction with the president before he took office. He said, quote, I knew there might come a day where I might need a record to defend myself and the FBI and our integrity. Comey is hardly a partisan Democrat. You might remember the whole Hillary Clinton thing. But he is also damningly clear that in the president's own words, he was fired because of the Russia investigation. A couple of telling points. Comey and the rest of the senior leadership of the FBI thought Jeff Sessions would recuse himself from the Russia investigations two weeks before it went public that he was going to recuse himself from the Russia investigations. What the fuck did the FBI know about Jefferson Beauregard Sessions? What the fuck is going on in the White House and how many people are neck deep in shit? And if Comey never disavowed the Steele dossier... He kept referring questions about the Steele dossier and all of its salacious details into the classified session following the open hearing. And he further declined to answer whether or not he felt the president was intentionally obstructing justice. But his replies when pressed on the issue by Republicans and Democrats were, pre were telling. You know, I look at it like this. 
If your boss brings you into the office and sends everyone out and tells you he hopes that you can work work late tonight and over the weekend, are you going to tell him to hope in one hand and shit in the other to see which um fills up first? No, no, your ass is working this weekend. You're canceling plans. I rest my case. When, when And then when asked by Senator King of Maine, the conversation about the entire interaction over what he hoped he would do took rather a literary turn. Yes. Yes. It rings in my ear as kind of, will no one rid me of this meddlesome priest? It, I was just going to quote that in 1170, December 29, Henry II said, who will rid me of this meddlesome priest? And then the next day he was killed. as useless as a woman. So long as he's alive, I tremble. I shake. I'm the king. And yet I shake. <laughs> Will no one rid me of this meddlesome priest? The just being Comey felt very much like the president was attempting to convince Comey to shut down the investigation into Flynn. And when your boss is the president of the United States and he wants you to do a thing, it takes a man of significant courage to say fuck you to his face. Now the Democrats during the hearing, and I swear I'm not just being a little partisan monkey, did not go looking for blood on Trump or anyone else. Well, they didn't need to. I mean, Trump is bleeding all over the place from self-inflicted wounds. But I was particularly impressed with Kamala Harris, who was clearly working the prosecutorial angle of getting testimony under oath that could be later used against the Trump administration. Jeff Sessions should be shitting a brick right now and because she gave us a preview of exactly what she, they were going to be discussing in the classified briefing after the hearing. That was damn fine lawyering right there. The Republicans on the committee tried to turn Comey's testimony back on him and for uh, some reason back onto Hillary. You guys know she she lost, right? I mean, she's just Jane's citizen now. She's not in charge of anything anymore. You can just uh, you can just move on. You know you know that, right? Each of the GOP twits went down the Clinton Highway like there were magical moose herds at the fucking end of it. And Copley simply said that he did what he did, and these were two different cases. I mean, it's almost like Hillary and Trump are two different and utterly unrelated cases or something. It's very strange. But the strangest moment of the day by far was when John McCain started his questioning. And I honestly believe the old man was sound downing. He was incoherent. He called Comey Trump and Trump Comey and was going on about why the investigation into Clinton's contacts with the Russians was closed, but Trump's is still open, all of which caused Comey and the rest of the world to wonder if the old geezer was about to take his pants off and wander down the highway for a moons over Miami at the nearest Denny's. You tell him to look for a guy with a cane and Alzheimer's. I honestly don't know what the fuck he was on about. Something on a, about his grandkids never visit and root beer in the 30s was much tastier as near as I or anyone else could tell. Parasitical pinup boy for the 1% Paul Ryan tells us that Trump never meant to obstruct justice. He's just a political naive, a babe in the allegorical woods. I mean, his booting everyone out of the room and leaning on the FBI director to drop a case was just a case of Donnie's noobness. And I suppose that uh, you expect me to believe in sorcery as well. Motherfucker is a 70-year-old real estate developer from New York City. He's been investigated more times than I've gotten laid. 
when I was a little man whore in my 20s. He's been sued more times than Paul Ryan has given the Koch brothers a lubed up hand job. That's a lot. So do not piss in my face and tell me it's a therapeutic technique from the Russian finest Russian folk traditions there, Paul Ryan. Trump knew what the fuck he was doing was shady as fuck, and that's why he got everyone out of the room. But the best part of Comey's testimony is that it was pretty clear the only defense against it was to say that Comey is a liar, which is just fucking laughable on a complete fucking dim-witted knuckle-fucker sort of level. And that's the kind of person that would try to say this man, known for his integrity, is a liar, liar, pants on fire. So naturally, that is exactly what Trump's and his lawyers did. Mark Kazowitz's crudely spelled rebuttal said that Comey utterly vindicated Trump, but somehow he's a he's also a lying liar who lies and leaks. I'm trying, but I, I'm not quite following your logic. The entire defense of the Trump camp to these charges appears to be, I know you are, but what am I? And then stick their fingers in their ear and scream until we get tired and walk away to let Trump be president. The thing is, we've been listening to Donnie shriek for so long, we're getting immune to it. His already historically low poll numbers are actually falling. I mean, just when you think he's hit rock bottom, Don steps up and says, hang on. I can lower it. Eventually, the administration will sink below the crush depth and crumple like an empty beer can on the drunk redneck's forehead. The GOP's in a nasty spot. They know Trump is fucked and that Bob Mueller is going to find all sorts of shit on the whole stinking turd pile that is this administration, but they can't admit it yet. They have to still finish killing healthcare, which they are busy, busy, busy working on this week while we were day drinking and doing shots every time Comey blinked. So they tried to walk a fine line between looking like they were defending Trump while not actually defending him. I mean, think about that. Comey flat out called Trump a liar and not one single Republican senator took him to the task for doing so. Not a peep about respecting the president or making a claim he can't support Comey. That's when Comey said, yeah, yeah, that guy's a huge liar because the JOP senators are like, yeah, you, you, you really got us there because he actually is. Because more and more it appears when heads start to roll, the floor is going to be very crowded with skulls. We know Manafort, Flynn, Page, and probably Stone are going down eventually. It's increasingly likely that Trump and Jared Kushner will fall when all the facts are outed. For the first time, we have indications that Jeff Session is mired up in this little shit fondue. Fun what? Fondue. Who knows how far down the rabbit hole the sewage tide will take us? I mean, how fucking weird would it be if Steve fucking Bannon is turns out to be the only honest man in the administration? I mean, after all, he's just a plain and simple racist, not in it for the money or the power, just the eradication of the stain on the white race. And nothing in the testimony is a silver bullet. It's not the one ring we can give to John Favreau and John Lovin and send them off to Mordor. But it was important. It put for the first time into evidence, and there's a distinction to be made there, that the President of the United States attempted to obstruct justice with a willful intent, i.e., he knew what he was doing. It further opened the doors to other members of the administration's collusion and conspiracy to obstruct justice. I mean, if we were to actually get Mike Pence on anything, it would be in that zone by proving that he knew about Flynn's crimes and tried to cover it up. It's a reach, but it's not impossible. He could definitely be tarred with it in an election. 
And it's vitally important we have this information out of the public sphere for political purposes and to give hope to the people that Trump is not immune to the consequences of his conduct. It's also a trail of breadcrumbs to what is going on behind the scenes in classified briefings. And that's where the real knives come out. The real blood is going to be shed. That is where Trump will fall. And it scares the fuck out of the GOP, which is why their tepid non-defense is so telling. They're running out of time to get shit done before someone leaks the real damaging info on the investigation, and it all comes apart at the seams. We love the big spectacles like St. Comey's Day. It makes us in the resistance feel like we're doing something, like we're winning. But these events, no matter their glamour, are just tiny moments. The big wins are in the districts, where we have to take back enough seats to actually fucking do something. We have to make the GOP fear us more than they fear the shrinking Trump base. And it is shrinking because even a shitty racist doesn't like it when their shitty racist orange hemorrhoid keeps flaring up and fucking everything up and making them look like an incompetent fuck. But they will still show up if, if for him if we are complacent. So enjoy your St. Comey's Day. Have a feast with your family. Sacrifice a goat on the lawn. But tomorrow, get the fuck back out and go back to work. We cannot depend on some happy band of brothers to save us, not even the people in the Georgia 6th. We must take up arms and make every day St. Comey's Day. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. That is it for our show this week. It was a fast turnaround on the show, and yeah, yeah, you probably noticed. We have a whole other show sketched out about reality winner. I don't love her name so much. It's it's just so millennial. She's so cute. God, we can't let her go to jail. Oh, wait, I actually think that might have been her actual plan. Uh, maybe we'll catch up with her next week. I'm trying to get away from doing these topical shows and move the shows onto a path that it's a bit more evergreen, but goddamn. I, when I get to change the words of the St. Crispin's Day speech uh, into a St. Comey's Day speech, I, I just got to go with it. If you would like to help others see polluted Shakespeare, rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts because it'll, uh, it'll help other wannabe thespians. <laughs> I said thespians, Gavin. Jesus, what is this, 1994? Oh, I wish it was 1994. I got laid in 1994. So, sorry. Uh, it'll help other wannabe thespians find the show. All of my outdated references can be found at the Hell underscore podcast on Twitter or the show name on Facebook. With the show name on SoundCloud and at www.whatthehellpodcast.com. For me, Dave Bledsoe, director Jim Comey, producer Gavin, and all the other fictional feds on this show, I want to say that Trump was completely wasted. Out of Flynn's and down. All inside, so frustrated, and he was stuck in a D.C. town. Felt as though nobody cared about the things he tried, so he might as well begin to put some action in his life. See you all next week.
Seltzer Kings. Podcasts.